And also, you are putting words into the mouth of the church of God. And so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that they are lining up with the inspired word of God um, and not leading them astray in their theology. So I, you might see this as nitpicky, and you're right if if you see it as nitpicky, but uh, we take that that very seriously as we try to pick out these songs. So. Yes. Welcome to Sing the Word, a podcast that explores and promotes gospel-centered, scripturally rich, congregational songs for the church. Uh, This is Nathan Murfin. I'm joined with... Joshua Roberts. Rachel Nothnagel. Yes. We're all here today bringing you another episode. Uh, This one is going to be kind of more uh, a topical episode, but it's also very similar to how we do episodes um, in the past, but kind of for the opposite reason. <laughs> I'm about to explain. Uh, this episode is going to be, and we're, I'm still working on the title, but essentially songs that we um, respect that are But think pretty, they could have done better. But think they could have done better. <laughs> we Songs we respect, uh, and they may be popular or may not be popular anymore, but they were at a time um, that we have some concerns about and probably wouldn't use in our churches. Uh, for various reasons, and we're going to talk about that. And let me preface uh, this by saying this. Um, If these songs that we talk about negatively in this uh, episode are songs that you have sung in the past in your church or are singing right now, and you believe that they are biblically based and helpful for a church to sing in worship, the Lord bless you. Um, We want to be as gracious as possible. Uh, We just ask that you hear our um, biblically based, we think, opinions and reasons for why we struggle with certain parts of this song from a theological standpoint and from a standpoint of um, are these songs helpful or hurtful for our church members? Um, so you guys want to add anything to that? Yeah, and, wise? And, and you're saying it in a very gracious way, um, but I'm, I'm going to say it like this. It, it might seem a little bit like we're being nitpicky. Yes. Um, but but I think that the reason that we're going to do that and the reason that we do that regularly, first of all, there's so many songs out there that mm-hmm. if one is pretty good, I want to like it, but that one line, then, then I typically just set that song aside because there are so many songs out there. And also, you are putting words into the mouth of the Church of God. And so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that they are lining up with the inspired Word of God um, and not leading them astray in their theology. So I, you might see this as nitpicky, and you're right if if you see it as nitpicky, but uh, we take that that very seriously as we try to pick out these songs. So, yes. Very good. So the three songs that each of us individually have chosen uh, are— these. So Josh is going to talk about the song uh, called Above All. Is it written by Paul Belush or is it it, written by Michael W. Smith? It was written by Lenny LeBlanc and it was covered. Oh, no, with with Paul Belush. Both Mm -hmm. of them wrote it together Mm -hmm. and it was covered by Michael W. Smith. Mm -hmm. He actually won a Dove Award um, for it for a song of the year. Okay. And then Rachel is going to be talking about uh, Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. Were there other co-authors to that, or was it just Corey? He's affiliated with Bethel, with Bethel but Music. he is the mm-hmm. one who wrote the who wrote song. The song. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be talking about uh, Holy Spirit by uh, Brian and Katie Torwalt, um, and that was written about 2011, so it's been around for a while. Um, but we're going to go around the horn, as it were, and we're going to start with Josh with Above All. Take it away. Okay, so this song is an older one. It's it was written in 1999, but it's actually still um, through through the 2010s and I think even part of the 2020, um, it was um, still on the top 100 of of songs that were being printed um, in Lifeway Worship and also in uh, mm-hmm. Song Select. Mm-hmm. So it's a very popular song. Mm-hmm. I have actually led it many mm-hmm. times before I kind of began to really think about these songs on a, a more theological 
way. That I'm talking about way back in 2000 or 2001. I probably mm-hmm. led it way back then. Mm-hmm. But um, above all, uh, well, let me just read the, the lyrics yes. and then we'll we'll tear it apart. Or not, not tear it apart. <laughs> we'll we'll look into it. <laughs> okay. Above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man, you were here before the world began. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. Crucified, laid behind the stone, you live to die, rejected and alone. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. Sounds like a really good thought. Um, all that mm-hmm. says, you know, above all, above all, above all. And and I think that really what he's trying to do is he's trying to to play with that idea of Jesus um, was high and lifted up above everything, um, but then he lowered himself. And what was the reason that he lowered himself? And that's actually the the question that I have a problem with. So. Let me dissect the verses just a little bit. Above all powers, above all kings. So we're talking about how Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords. That's good. Um, We agree with that. Above all nature, all created things, he is sovereign over creation. I like that. I like that as well. And then it says above all wisdom and all the ways of man. So there we're we're talking about how um, worldly wisdom, his ways are better than ours, like Isaiah 55 says. Um, so good stuff there. You were here before the world began. We know that from uh, John 1, you know, um, mm-hmm. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, and then it, then it kind of actually follows a similar thing. So we, we talked about King of Kings, Lord of Lords, creation, and then the world. Um, all, above all kingdoms, above all thrones, he's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Above all wonders the world has ever known. Uh, so if you think about the wonders of the world, he's sovereign over creation. Again, following that same pattern, above all wealth and treasures of the earth. So we, we actually say worth. Before it was talking about the ways of man. Now we're talking about um, all the things of the earth and the treasures that we might amass. Um, worldly possessions counted as loss, Philippians 3. Uh, we're reminded of that. Good stuff. There's no way to measure what you're worth. All of that's true. I love it. I love it. Um, and I, I love that part of this song. Then it says this in the, the ending chorus, kind of, or some people refer to it as verse three, um, but crucified, laid behind the stone. Again, agree with it. Um, we know that that happened. Uh, you live to die rejected and alone. Isaiah 53 says he's the man of sorrows. Um, he did live. He came. In fact, Isaiah talks about how he came to die. Uh, you know, we know that. It's it's throughout the Old Testament. It even talks about it in the New Testament. Um, this is <laughs> like a rose trampled on the ground. I I just think that that's the cheesiest uh, line. <laughs> but, but that's just me. That's just me, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of thought, that's a little silly. Mm-hmm. But this part, you took the fall and thought of me above all. That is not true, mm-hmm. at least from what I can understand and discern from the scriptures. It is not true. He did not take the fall and think of me above all. First of all, that idea of taking the fall, um, what, what, what is he trying to say there? Is it meaning that like, okay, the fall of man, the sin that we have, did he take that? Or is it talking about that he just humbled himself? So it's a little ambiguous that there, but mm-hmm. but he didn't think of us. Um, and, and there's other songs that say this. While he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I don't actually think that's true. Um, and the reason why is backed by Scripture. So first of all, um, John 12, 27 and following says, you know, he's talking, Jesus' song now is my soul troubled, all what shall, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this earth. So it, it, he lived to die, rejected, and alone. That's, that's true. Um, but for this purpose I've come to this earth. Father, glorify your name. Mm. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. So where am I headed with this? Well, it's all about God's glory. It's not truly about our glory, although um, 
we, we do receive some glory, but it all comes back to Christ. One day we're going to be there with him, and we will be in a glorious body and all of that, but the purpose is all about glorifying the name of Jesus and glorifying our Father in heaven. So the biggest thing I have the trouble with, um, you thought of me above all. This is where I think proves that that's not true. Um, all four of the uh, Gospels uh, kind of tell this story of the um, prayers that Jesus made right before he went to the cross. And so it lets you know his heart. Well, let's start, I'll do it out of order, but um, Mark 14 says, going a little further, he fell on the ground, he prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible from you, for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus did not want to die, is what that actually says. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to. He was worried about the suffering. It seemed something he couldn't bear. Mm -hmm. But the reason he decided to do it was because it was the Father who had willed it. It says that same thing in Matthew 26, uh, verse 42. The second time he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Luke 22, he withdrew from them, bowed a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And John 4, 34, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The Father sent him, and he's accomplishing the Father's work. Um, John explains it a little bit more um, in John 6, 38. Um, he says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And, and then it even, he, we even see as the apostle Paul writes, um, he states that our redemption exists to glorify the Father. Our redemption, the redemption that we receive is to glorify the Father. You can read the whole chapter of Ephesians 1, mm -hmm. and you see praise of his glorious grace, play, praise of his glory, praise of his glory, praise of his glory over and over. It's because of his glory, not ours. But let's key in just on verses 13 and 14. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire it, possession of it to the praise of his glory. So that's mm -hmm. talking specifically about us believing, receiving for the praise of him, uh, not for the praise of us, not because we were so special or such a, a treasure, although we are treasures. Um, and so this is where I'm talking about, about I'm nitpicking because he did not, I don't know that he thought of me on the cross I think he was thinking, Father, Father, Father. In fact, it maybe, maybe I, I don't even have to think that because the thing that he says on the cross while he's thinking of glorifying his Father is he says, Father, you know, why, why, why have you left me? Mm -hmm. um, he, he's crying out to the Father. He's not crying out, I'm doing this for Joshua. He's crying <laughs> out to the Father. So that one line just messes up the whole song for me. And it probably doesn't for a lot of people. And that that's okay. That's okay. I hope that maybe after thinking through this, though, mm -hmm. that you you think a little bit differently about, um, about the words that you sing, and you kind of think through that um, because it, it, it's just important right. that we, we pay attention to, to the words that we're singing. So. Right. That's kind of all that I have. I'm, uh, guys, what, what do you have to, to add or to take away or whatever from that? I, I don't think it's nitpicking. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I, I I think of my own walk with the Lord and how um, up until about, if I'm being honest, about three years ago, I, I thought that's what the gospel was, uh, yeah. that, that ultimately it was about me. I had a very, very man-centered view mm -hmm. of what the gospel was and uh, when God fully opened my eyes to the the true gospel, um, I was devastated because I grew up thinking that it was, oh, you know, Jesus was thinking about me when he died. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's definitely something I, I thought of, I was told. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I began to lay that aside and to think like, no, like God's for his own glory, it changed my entire, like, I'm, I'm not being dramatic when I say this. Mm-hmm. It changed the entire trajectory of my life because I thought that the gospel was something it wasn't. And so, mm-hmm. sure, there there may be people who think you're nitpicking, but as somebody who has lived on that side of it, I guess I could say, yeah. um, I know the freedom of knowing the, the true gospel and that, like, I I just I don't think it's nitpicking. I think okay. it's so important. Well, I, well, I, yeah. I will say what you're saying reminds me, and I meant to say this earlier, it reminds me of, of how God says he's a jealous God, mm-hmm. Exodus 34. But he also mm-hmm. says in Isaiah 42, um, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will give to no, no other. other. Will not share it's, it's, it's his glory. Mm-hmm. And, and that, because he's God, uh, he can be mm-hmm. jealous and he can be... Um, and his jealousy is not capricious s- like a man. Centered, yeah. Mm-hmm. His 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 glory can be centered on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, we were created by him. So when we are egocentric, when we are narcissistic, when we think of self first, we're actually denying that we were created. Mm-hmm. Right. I think of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is man's chief end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's to glorify God and enjoy it's him like forever. And I think a few years ago I would have been like, no, that can't be it. <laughs> There's something more to the gospel. And it's so silly to think of it that way. I just, mm-hmm. um, that's why I think you dissecting this song is important and it was helpful right. to me. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't add much more to what you guys have said there. Um, the only thing I would, you know, add is, you know, my biggest problem is is the turn of phrase of the of the phrase above all at the end. Mm-hmm. Thought of me that is a problem. I wouldn't say that it's my biggest problem. I think it's how it turns it thought of me above, above all. all. Because, you know, we think of other hymns. Uh, one song we're singing this Sunday is Before the Throne. Uh, my name is graven on his hands. Yeah, my yeah. name is. He thinks and of us. He absolutely. thinks of us and he has saved us individually. Yes. Absolutely. But putting that as a superseding or the only thought of what he was thinking about yeah. is, is what the issue is. He was thinking about to the praise of his glorious grace. Mm-hmm. He was thinking about doing his father's will for the joy set before him. All these things. All the things and purchasing for God a people, mm. a people, his for chosen God. people, mm-hmm. for God, for, yeah. for himself. himself, his glory above all, not Nathan, not Rachel, not Josh, yeah. above all. That's It's the turn of the phrase that gets me. And I know it's what you're saying too, but I, I, I wanted to kind of, rebut a little bit on the thought of me because he does think of us you're right you're but right. as far as he does he doesn't think of us above himself or no. he thinks and he has purchased us individually but also corporately and for himself so very good rachel right. your turn so the chong- the song i've chosen bleh. Uh, the song I've chosen is Reckless Love. Um, this was it one, bleh, for the song or for your speaking? No, for my speaking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the song I've chosen is Reckless Love, written by Corey Asbury in 2017. Um, Corey Asbury is, um, or at least at this time, I don't know if he still is, um, part of, of Bethel. Um, so I'll read these lyrics to you and then um, go through what I have written. It says, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Here's the second verse. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. And here's the bridge. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. So um, after this song was released... Insert octave leap. Uh, right, yes. <laughs> um, hey, I like octave leaps. <laughs> I, I do too. They're effective, but they're not congregational. Anyways. Um, after this song was released, a few, I think it was just a few short months after it was released, um, there was some pushback 
about the things in this song. And so Corey Asbury did make a Facebook post that I have pulled up here because I don't want to misrepresent what he has going. So I'll be referring to this Facebook post throughout. Um, but I want to touch on the, the, I guess I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. So mm-hmm. I, I want to preface it by saying, I don't want to assume that Corey Asbury meant to release a song that would be controversial or spread no. in misinformation. Yeah. I don't want to assume that. Um, I do think his intentions were good. Um, and on one hand, I understand what he was trying to convey in this song. God's love for his people is far reaching. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that in the parable of the lost sheep, mm-hmm. um, as depicted in Matthew 18 and Luke 15. So God's love is so extravagant from our human perspective um, that I suppose in Corey's mind, it seems to be reckless. God's love is um, is a pursuing kind of love. So he comes first to us before we can come to mm-hmm. him. And this is a beautiful thing. Yes. And so um, I, I admire his willingness to bring clarity in his Facebook post to say, you know, this is really what I meant. Um, and I do understand his intention. And so I wanted to put that out there, um, although it doesn't change how I personally feel about the word reckless. Um, I also want to say I sang this song a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> when it yeah, first came too. out. Me too. And so I... You know, I'm not trying to be on my high horse. I mm-hmm. I think the melody of the song is great. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yes. Like, it's good, well-written it's, I would say song. that about both of music. your guys' songs. Yeah. The yeah. music is thrilling. It's beautiful. And it's especially Reckless mm-hmm. Love is so it's catchy. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It is catchy. And so I, I guess I want to want to highlight a few um, of, of the positives before I get into the, the negatives. Because there are positives to this song. So most of the lyrics can be traced back to scripture. And this is wonderful. Um, some of the lyrics are actually quite uh, reformed or Calvinistic. The very first line that God mm-hmm. sings over his people, that's Zephaniah 317. Mm-hmm. And if it was before we ever spoke a word... Um, then it has to be up to God's grace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the the you, if you want to use the tulip. Um, this is the you, the unconditional election. Um, and uh, as I was researching this and writing down my thoughts, I ended up, as I often do, at Desiring God, um, John Piper's um, uh, website mm-hmm. in ministry. And I read an article that he um, had written, and it, I think it just, it kind of, I think it speaks for itself. So is I'm it a transcript it. of his uh, it actually Pastor is. John? Yeah, 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 it is a transcript. I listened to that when it came um, out. Yeah, I did too. So he says, this is uh, John Piper, Before I took a breath, you breathe your life into me. In my mouth, that's a radical affirmation of the Calvinistic doctrine of sovereign grace, irresistible grace. Mm-hmm. Since the Bible doesn't teach that God breathed life into us before we were physically born, I take the words, you breathe life into me, to be a reference to the new birth. Mm-hmm. The song is saying that the new birth happened to me before I took any breath at all, meaning before I did anything to signify that I had life, which is exactly what happens in the new birth. Um, it is a sovereign gift of God. Mm-hmm. We don't make the new birth happen. God makes the new birth happen. And so, end quote there. Um, that's something that I think this song does really well, mm-hmm. um, is that it highlights God's pursuing love mm-hmm. of us. Um, another line that I really enjoy is, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. And he's talking about salvation. We are mm-hmm. all guilty before God, and there's tons of, of scripture that I have um, before me on my screen here, um, that God gives grace to us, grace to us, which literally means unmerited favor, and so I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But it's through Christ who gave himself for us. Um, and I think of Isaiah 53, um, John 15, uh, Galatians 1. And so there's there's a lot to go in there. Um, but we receive God's grace because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so I, I'm sure there are other positives to the song. But those two lines I really wanted to highlight. Um, before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. And then I don't deserve it, uh, or I, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. And so um, I don't want to, I guess, throw the baby out with the bathwater in, in its entirety, because there are parts of the song that um, I think are beautiful. Um, but we're coming down to the reason why I wouldn't recommend the song or why I have a hard time um, listening or singing it is because of the key word, reckless. And, mm-hmm. of course, we're all anticipating that. Um, <laughs> let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about the meaning of reckless. Um, there's a few different dictionary definitions um, and then some synonyms as well. But the definition is marked by lack of proper caution, careless of consequences. And then some synonyms of reckless are daredevil, foolhardy, 
or irresponsible. So now I'll talk about some of the the negatives in that. The word reckless is entirely antithetical to the nature and character of God. Um, There are other words that could have been used in this instance, although the song very likely wouldn't have sounded the same. So the nature of it would have been messed up. Correct. So passionate. Yeah, matchless. uh, Relentless. Uh, intense, steadfast. We mm-hmm. can name so many words Perfect. that could have been used. So it's not mm-hmm. as if there was a lack of options. <laughs> yeah. Right. So reckless is a a word that is used to describe someone or something that is foolish or dangerous or lack of intention. But we know that those things don't match our God. Um, our God is a very intentional God. And biblically, God's love, which is what's being in you know in question here, God's love is reckless. Biblically, God's love is purposeful. I mean, you look at Ephesians one. Um, it's eternal. So Jeremiah 31, that his love endures forever. It's steadfast. That's all over the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a self-sacrificial love, which I do think that um, Asbury was meaning to <laughs> convey. Um, God's love is also patient, kind, unfailing. Um, it's not envious, boastful, proud, rude, all those things we see in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, it bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. And so to say that God's love is also reckless, while he's, while the Bible says that God's love is patient, kind, unfailing, mm-hmm. it doesn't match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a- another part that I cannot ignore is that reckless seems to imply the lack of ability to see the future. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is... See uh, the consequence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is, we often use reckless the word reckless, driver. reckless, yeah, reckless driving. Mm-hmm. You, reckless you're not thinking, abandoned. yeah, mm-hmm. you're not thinking about the future. Yeah. Um, but we know that God is all knowing, and He's mm-hmm. that that is not what we see in Scripture of, of reckless. Um, the Bible's descriptions show that God's love is the opposite of reckless. Um, a, a reckless person acts with little to no forethought. But God chose his people before the foundation of the world in love. Um, recklessness implies, and like I said, an inability to see the future. But God knows the end from the beginning. Um, we actually see that in several points in Isaiah, but Isaiah 46.10, God knows the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, reckless love doesn't heed consequences. Um, God knew full well what his love would require. Um, it was always clear that Jesus did not go blindly to the cross. Um but in Isaiah 50 even touches on this. He set his face like flint to reach it. And so um, reckless love can easily fade. <laughs> you know, how long does that last? Mm-hmm. But God's love never ends. Um, and there is a part that um, I I talked about how uh, Corey made a post on Facebook on June 14th, 2017, um, in response to some pushback that he had received about this song. And he says, um, going on in this what, same what vein. What year was it? Uh, 2017. 2017. Yeah. In in his second paragraph here, because it was kind of a longer post, um, he says, uh, what I mean is this. He is utterly utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions Mm -hmm. with regards to his own safety, comfort, well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It goes down a little bit. Um, His love doesn't consider himself first. Um, It goes down to say this... I'm going to be Keep gracious. Yeah. His love isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself out there. And here's the big part. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one uh, of us might look back at him and offer ourselves in return. Uh, That's not how salvation works. And so while he was trying to defend his position, he ended up kind of making it worse, making it worse. <laughs> in yeah. a way. Because he should have just not said anything. Because there is a line Sorry, in the song. Corey, just keep your mouth shut. There <laughs> is a line in the song that says, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Of, of course, God has given himself through his son to his people. But it's not this blanket covering of salvation and whoever wants to come. Right. It, it's God, God did offer salvation through his son for his people, for his specific people. Um, and that that's the biggest problem to me is that um, he's saying, oh, God just, you know, gives himself away in the off chance that we come to him. And that's putting our autonomy as humans so, so high. Mm-hmm. And we're not even looking at the sovereignty of God that he might have a plan for his people. Mm-hmm. Um, so in conclusion, the problem with this song is that it goes against the very character of God, and it even brings into question the atonement. 
Um, so even though it has some positives, or the nature uh, of the atonement, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, that's mm -hmm. what I meant. Yeah, the, no. no. Um, so even though it has perfect. some positives, yeah. I believe the negatives outweigh them. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I would agree with you guys in the fact that hey, I'll own it. I've sung this song. I've mm -hmm. led it. I've yeah, listened to it too. many times. And you know, like we said, it is it is catchy. It is a thrilling song. And I would even say to an extent, though. When you really dive into the nature of the word reckless, you could probably listen to it as a devotional thing and probably get something beneficial out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, just oh, I would I would have a huge conscience issue with leading my church in this song um, because of all that you said, Rachel. And I think you so uh, wonderfully went into that. Like you said about I have two things, the nature of the atonement. Mm -hmm. God's love is not just a blanket love or a an example or a, just a, sh a display of immense love. It's not just that. There's an analogy, there's an actual title for this analogy. It's like you're drowning in an ocean and a man jumps from the mm -hmm. pier and says, I love you and dives into the water, but doesn't save you. Like that loving display of affection by jumping in the water to die also accomplishes nothing. There's no purpose to why he did that. And that's exact, I mean, it's an analogy, so it has its faults. But that's very similar to the nature of the atonement with, with Christ. Christ came as I was drowning and I was dead on the bottom of the shore. And he pulled me out of the water. He dove down and got me, pulled me up and revived me, gave me new life. Mm -hmm. That's the nature of his love. Not simply a display, but some a love that had a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you hit that on the head, yeah, Rachel. Yeah, he even used the word... Um, God's love, and I know he's, he doesn't mean it this way, but in his right. post, he said, God's love is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm sure he means that to, to humans right. it is ridiculous. That's the thing. Is so it, I, yeah. I, want to, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt mm -hmm. saying, no, I know what he means, but mm -hmm. what did he actually say? Right. He didn't say, to humans, God's love is to, reckless. To, he says, the reckless love of God, right. implying that God himself is reckless. Yeah. And that's... When you leave lyrics of a song with some vagueness or ambiguity of not clarifying <laughs> or intentionality and having that about every single word you use, that this is what happens mm -hmm. when, you, when you have ambiguity. You should pick songs that are clear. I actually pick heard... Words that are clear. I actually heard someone say not too long ago talking about this song. Um, well, it's just a song that says with human words that mm -hmm. obviously fall short to describe a truth that is you It's know, poetic license by the by yeah, the composer. Yeah. Right. And 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 you know what? The first time I heard this song, um, the word reckless jarred me. Mm -hmm. Um it jarred me actually kind of in a good way, because I, I thought, um, okay, what does it mean? Well it's edgy. Well, yeah, it is edgy. But it, it made like me think of well, he's not being proper. Mm -hmm. You know that was actually and, yeah. and actually the the um right. he's not he's not having etiquette or whatever because mm -hmm. because his love for us is is a little bit messy in the way that he he saves one lost sheep. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so no I, I get that. Um, that doesn't mean it's right. lack of proper caution. It seems reckless to us that God would. Uh, love someone who would beat, spit, and crucify him. All, right. You know, right. all those things. It seems reckless to us. But he didn't write, oh, the, you know, never overwhelming, never ending, seems like reckless love to us of God. <laughs> he wrote reckless love of right. God. And, and, and I think that, you know, it could have easily just been, uh, it would have even sounded Words the have same. Consequences. Just, Matchless love of God. Mm -hmm. Maybe that sounds Relentless. a little too. I just yeah, saw perfect. another contradiction just now mm. seeing this, where he brings up in his post and even in the song that he leaves the ninety nine to find the one. You know, yeah. the story. Um, but then he says in his post that he gives himself away to just on the off chance that yeah. someone. It literally doesn't match yeah. up. What I, off chance I, that someone might turn to him? He's the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one. Like, he's the mm -hmm. one who's seeking. It, it doesn't matter. And again, mm -hmm. that that seems reckless to leave the 99. Right. Because who's watching them now? <laughs> you know, if you're really going to take that shepherd analogy <laughs> to the full extent. But um, that's not describing our God, and it's not describing the reality of what happens. So mm -hmm. I, I agree with you that, that that one word, 
and and like like all of us have said, I've led this song, and then I I pulled it, and I, I was just like, no, I, I can't, because um, it, it doesn't it it doesn't. There's so many other good songs. I always yeah, say right. that. I always say that. There's so many why other good songs. So why something you fill up? You about. only get to sing four or five songs every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, why does this make it to the top five? Mm-hmm. Multiply yeah. that by fifty-two, and that's how many you do for a yeah. year. Well, it, yeah. I, I don't have to pick it. I and can you're going to repeat else. songs too. You know? And and I will pick something else that says something about the love of God or or whatever that mm-hmm. that just better says it. Yes. All right. That's enough on that one. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Thank you. thank you for. Yeah. I think you did do like as much as we kind of tore that apart. You did justice of research and giving Corey the benefit of the doubt. So thank you, Rachel. Now we're going to go on to Holy Spirit, um, which has been around not as long as Above All, but a little bit older than Reckless Love. Um, anyways, I'm going to go ahead and read the lyrics. Uh, just so you know, it's very repetitive, so it, this, this isn't going to take long. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare, or excuse me, this says nothing can compare. I thought it was no thing can I'm compare. I'm reading no thing can compare. Okay, this may be a typo then. No thing can compare your our living hope, your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, or of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord. And here's the chorus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. And it does that again. And then it goes on eventually to a bridge that simply says, Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. And does it several times and then back to the chorus again. So um, this song seems to have come more out of like a probably more of a charismatic camp, I would say just based on the fact that it's, um, um, it's how the melody and the music is constructed. I would categorize it, you know, like as a spiritual song. It's definitely not. The only reason I would say it's kind of hymnic is just that, you know, it has a verse and a chorus, but that doesn't make it like a hymn. I would say it's more of that kind of spiritual song category and hymns don't have bridges. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's a very good point. Bingo. There you go. Um, so <laughs> that's good. I, I don't know why I hadn't thought of that. Um, so, you know, it's, it kind of fits into that. Um, the song is, is, is emotionally moving. Um, it has some good in it. There's some, some good language, kind of like reckless love in the verses. Um, there's nothing that can, I mean, it says there's nothing that can compare to God in his presence. He's, he's, there's nothing that can even come close. I think that's a great thing to admit in worship. Uh, he's our living hope. That's what, you know, first Peter talks about that in his opening chapter, uh, Peter's opening chapter, uh, talking about the presence of God being that. And, you know, the Christian witness I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves you know, we have that, you know, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, Hebrews 6 talks about, you know, that warning passages of, you know, if you've tasted and seen um, the the goodness of the grace that you've received and, you know, walked away, there's that whole passage. But it's a, it's a biblical language um, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord. Um, I guess that's pretty true. My biggest qualm with this song, guys, and you guys probably could have expected this, is the chorus and part of the bridge, but especially the chorus. Um, I have kind of three um, broad complaints or concerns about it. Um, the first one, and I would say this is more symptomatic of a whole host of songs uh, or lack thereof, but one is this this song treats the Holy Spirit like a force, not a person mm-hmm. of the Trinity. Or mm. they do recognize and say, you know, Lord, and they do say God, like they're tying the person, the, the the Holy Spirit to Lord or God. So I guess that's fair. It's not like they're saying he's not part of the Trinity. Some heres like literal heresy. It's not they've not gone that far, but. 
I would say this song does it is not helpful at all in understanding the person and the function of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit, you are, are welcome here. Well, saying someone is welcome here, what does that preclude? Well, it means that you have to usher in said person or thing, or that he's not here now, but he is now because we said he is, or he can come in. First of all, the understanding of God and salvation is so um, Pelagian. Um, it's mm. very humanistic, and there's <laughs> it is like we've talked about. It is God who pursues. It's not us that we pursue God. He has to come to us first in grace. So saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here is kind of contradictory to what the Christian faith is or coming to Christian faith is. Um, and then it says, come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Like that just, that honestly, like growing up, like in some ways churches have not discipled people well in the area of understanding who the Holy Spirit is. I think a lot of people, quite frankly, would probably describe the Holy Spirit just like that. He, he's, he, 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 I feel him when we worship or, or he, he, he gives me, you know, comfort or, or other things. And just, it, it, it's the, it's the, the more of the, um, force, um, language rather than a person who is part of the Godhead and has a purpose other than uh, only coming in and leaving apparently every Sunday morning whenever you gather for worship. Um, it's like we don't have the Holy Spirit in us all the time. Um, you hear the sarcasm in my voice. Um, I will say, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. That's a great That's line. Good. That's a very good line. Um, then it says, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Okay, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is among his people. He's given us that and in his Holy Spirit. But the word overcome, what does that mean? What are you trying to get across to be overcome? Are we um, supposed to feel really emotional, uncontrolled? Like like lose self-control in, in how we conduct ourselves when we sing this song? What What are we trying to say when we're overcome? I think, you know, in the way we can be thankful, we can be grateful for what that the, the reality that God is here, God is among his people, God is with us. That is something to be, you know, in a sense overcome by. But again, the ambiguity of words that lend themselves to other thoughts or contradicting thoughts that people disagree about is just not helpful. Um, a lot of people can come up with different ways to say what overcome might mean. So who is the Holy Spirit? His, we, we don't really know what he functions as other than a force that comes and fills the atmosphere of our worship in this particular building. Rather than what Jesus Christ said in John 4, when he said, um, when he said all worship, or, uh, the Lord is seeking people to worship, uh, that will worship God in spirit and in truth. Um, that is not necessarily, you know, talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's saying in spirit that it, this is not about geography or being a Jew or worshiping at this particular temple, but that by the new covenant that God is giving through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, God's people all across the world can worship in spirit because it's not tied to geography. It's not tied to a nationality. It's not tied to one particular place. It's tied because we have God, the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, you, you were reading Ephesians 1, Josh, yeah. earlier and above all. I think that is one of the clearest declarations of who the Holy Spirit is. Ephesians 1, verse 13. In, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit sear, sears, seals, <laughs> that's a whole different meaning, seals uh, us. Uh, he's the guarantee of our inheritance, this is verse 14, until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit has a preserving and sealing work upon God's people. He's, there's much, the Holy Spirit convicts men of sin. The Holy Spirit attends to us. In our prayers, he intercedes for us when we have words that are, <laughs> our, our prayers are so weak and 
basically the Holy Spirit says, Lord, to, to God, he intercedes in our prayers. This is what Nathan meant. This is what Rachel, this is what Josh meant when he said this. He mm-hmm. intercedes in our prayers. We talk, He talks about that in Romans 8. The Holy Spirit has function. He's not just a force um, that comes and floods this place. I think that really, I just think that is such an unhelpful way of teaching about the Holy Spirit. And quite frankly, one of my biggest struggles uh, as a worship pastor, I mean, with the song selection, is finding good songs about the Holy Spirit, other than songs that mention Holy Spirit, you know, like in one verse that are good, like Come Thou Almighty King, that has a verse about the Spirit, yeah. or Holy Spirit Living Breath of God by the Gettys. Um, there's other other ones that are good too, but not very many. There's a, a lot, um, quite frankly, why do the charismatics have to have the last say about the who, Holy, who the Holy Spirit is? <laughs> like, because honestly, everyone else has done kind of a poor job of not being helpful in supplying us with rich doctrine of who the Holy Spirit is. So when we're left to, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We have no choice but to sing it because the old pastor's talking about Holy Spirit on Sunday. So I guess I'll throw this song in here. And I've I've dis- disciplined myself. I've been tempted to use this song, and I've had to say, no, I, I can't get past this chorus. Um, I don't know if that's been your experience, Josh, or if you've, if you've still been using the song, but or if it's been a while, I don't know. But well, I've been using I used to it, lead it recently, a lot. actually, mm-hmm. and, um, and it wasn't because of my choice. I was um, told to use it. Uh, my pastor asked me to, and um, I that's just, quite frankly, what happened. Um, I didn't really— feel comfortable singing it, but also felt like I had to um, because it was what he asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree with you on everything that you've said about the the, the, the person versus the force. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I blame that on, on the King James Version um, mm. because um, the way that, that we understand the Holy Spirit, you'll hear people sometimes, I heard it in our church uh, one day, refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Romans eight twenty six oh, in the in the King James version says the Spirit itself. Um, oh. What does it say? Let me let me pull it. I don't have the King yeah. James. In front. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we are. That's what I was trying but to say. But the Spirit yeah. Himself intercedes, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the King James version used the word itself, and I, I actually think that's where we got some of this idea of wow. the the Spirit being a force instead of a person, but it, it's a true heresy um, that's right. that's kind of been throughout the ages um, where the Holy Spirit's not been understood correctly. Yeah. Um, but, but I also do know, and I, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate because mm-hmm. I do think that, um, I, I, d- I don't think that he's talking, he's meaning to talk about um, God not being omnipresent. Mm-hmm. I think he is trying to just talk about there is an increased sensitivity of the Holy Spirit's presence. Sure, but, um, with the gathering of the but, saints. Yeah, yeah. And, and, right. and I also will argue a little bit more because there's four places in Acts where it talks about that the room mm-hmm. was filled with the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pentecost, and mm-hmm. then there's a place in Acts 4, a place in Acts 10, and a place in Acts uh, 19. Um, and all those places use the word feel, um, but but it's still it's so much amb- amb- ambiguity there uh, that that's why I always default to if there's ambiguous wording mm-hmm. in here that might take someone down the wrong path in their theology, then I've got a hundred other songs that I can find. Right, I, I always do, even if it's just the. Uh, b- Breathe on me, breath of God, old, mm-hmm. old, old school hymn. Right. Um, it, it there can be some beautiful worship right. to that, where you've got some rich theological right. ideas. <clears throat> um, and and I always just want to default when we talk about the Holy Spirit to to the Gettys, Holy Spirit, living breath of God. Mm, so good, good one. Real quick, um, one other small complaint I have is the word experience in the bridge. Yeah. Um, I think there is a good understanding, like you said, Josh, of the word experience. We we come to encounter God in all that He is when we when we gather to worship and sing and hear the word preached and and pray together. Um, but when we use the word experience, 
um, that is really idolatry at its core about you're looking for something, some Mm -hmm. existential thing to overcome you, and you're expecting that every time you gather for worship. Um, God's truth is still God's truth, whether you feel anything or not. And I would say, I, I beg to say 80, 90% of the time I come to church, I'm leading songs or I'm hearing the word preached. Sometimes I'm just not feeling that emotional expressive about how glorious the gospel is, but I know it's true. And mm-hmm. I'm experiencing that, that truth. I'm with the saints. I'm the ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. We're worshiping together. I may not be having an experience like everyone, you know, hands raising people being on fire for Jesus and it doesn't look like that most of the time, and that's okay because it's not about an experience. You no, know, and sometimes we try to manufacture an experience. In fact, I, right. I know that's what we do. We try to manufacture an experience because we think that that's the thing to chase after mm-hmm. when we're told to chase after yep. God, not the experience itself. Yep. So you're right on with the idolatry. Right. Guys, oh, yeah, you have any final thoughts? I enjoyed mm. listening. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well— let me conclude with this real quickly because we do need to go. Um, listener, we don't want seeing the word to be a negative, condescending, demeaning podcast. We don't want that vibe at all. Quite frankly, there are um, several podcasts, even Christian podcasts out there that that kind of tend to be like that, and we certainly do not want to follow their lead. We want this to be encouraging. We want this to be enlightening, maybe challenging, um, um, we hope this is biblically reasoned and helpful, hel- helpful for um, the people of God and, and how they decide to choose songs and worship together and, and why that's so important. So we hope that's what you're getting across in, in these, uh, these little critiques we've had of these songs. We'll, we'll do these episodes more, but we don't want to make that a frequent thing. We'll, it'll be more occasional. So anyways, thank you all for listening. We hope this is helpful. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Sing the Word. If you're enjoying the content of this podcast, please subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. Feel free to leave us a good rating too. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other platforms as well. If you've got songs, questions, or discussions you'd like for us to explore in future episodes, please email those to singtheword316 at gmail.com. Again, that's seeingtheword316 at gmail.com. As we continue to improve and expand our platforms for this podcast, we'll be sure to keep you posted on things to come, Lord willing. Again, thank you for listening. Grace and peace.